Happy hump day. We turned the calendar at least for a week to back to the golf season. Deuce, how you doing today? Tough to scratch it when there's snow on the grass. Yeah, we got uh, we got our first little dusting. Uh, but I played last weekend, so I'm still grinding the way down here. It is uh, it is nice to get this back on the calendar. So we're hours away from first group going off. Your level of excitement? You know, I maybe it's just because it's December, but I like the season change. Uh, I like this time of year. It kind of gives us something versus old October spot where I think we were a little burned out from the playoffs which are kind of boring and the tour championship which no one cares about. I think this gives it some juice and uh, I'm a nerd, an architecture nerd and Royal Melbourne is going to look so good on TV so I'm, I'm pretty excited. How is the course going to play? How are they going to set it up this week? Any weather concerns for the next couple days? Um, no, no concerns, but you would think it's going to be 100 degrees, but it's not. It's going to be in the mid-60s, so perfect, uh, perfect weather, perfect temperatures. It will be windy, though. It's always windy in this part of the world, so, you know, nothing crazy, uh, but it will be 15 to 25, and you'll probably see some gusts up to 30, which is totally normal there. Um, you know, most of the tour players are used to that living in Florida, so not a huge deal. Well, based on what you just set forth on the course and the wind, who does it set up for on both teams and who may struggle? So, this is actually an interesting question because anyone can get hot, right? If Dustin Johnson makes putts uh, and he's hitting his driver in play, he's going to be impossible to beat, right? But overall, since it's windy and the greens are so firm and fast, I think you do have to play a little bit carefully. I think it sets up for the scramblers uh, specifically. You're going to miss some greens. You're going to be short side a couple times unless you're just absolutely nutting the ball. So I think it sets up for scramblers and putters. Uh, we've seen this in, in the events before. You're going to have to make birdies in the four ball, which is the first session. And usually the guys on the par fives that can scramble, chip and putt are the guys to beat. Um, so I think you're going to see the guys who can't chip are going to really struggle. Um, Tiger being the captain and player, any added pressure being the captain that may affect his play? Ryder Cup captain coming up in Wisconsin next year. 
you know, majority of these guys, not all of them, but majority are going to be on that team. My guess is that Tiger has uh, divested a lot of the power to Stricker and has sort of made this a group captaincy versus him being the head honcho, per se. The big story, obviously, coming in in the past couple days has been the Patrick Reed story. Any effect, any effect on the team once this gets underway? Um, it depends how you define effect. Like, I, you know, the Aussies like to get after it a little bit. So I think you'll hear some comments. Um, it, it, a couple of years ago, I think it was 2016, Danny Willett's brother made some comments, and it, it really affected Willett. Now, Patrick Reed's a different guy. I think if you're yelling at Patrick Reed that he sucks and that he's a cheater, he's going to want to beat you even more. So that could backfire on the uh, home, with the home crowd. You know, I think the press conferences are probably annoying to talk about over and over and over. I think once the pegs are in the ground, it'll kind of be a non-issue for most of the guys. Your thoughts on how that played out and the aftermath? You know, I can see both sides, right? You know, we're both better players, so we know the rules for the most part. It was a uh, charity event, so I don't really care. Um, if he says his intent was not to improve his life, I think he's full of himself. I think he definitely tried to improve his life, which, to, in my, I, in 100% honesty, I didn't really know what the difference in a waste bunker was. Like, you can ground your club, but you can't improve your life. So I wasn't really sure where the, the exact red line for a penalty was in a waste bunker. I think the takeaway is we need better rules. We've been screaming for this for years. Just like in the waste bunker, you should be able to allow to use a shovel if you can grind your club. Like, just make it easy. Do whatever you want in the waste bunker. But in a real bunker, you can't touch anything. Did it make it worse that it was Patrick Reed? Oh, yes. 100%. If that was Henry Stenson, and Stenson was tied for 12th, that never even makes the TV program. How about if Reed gets off to a tough start? That does it snowball. Point. That's a great point. I yes, I do. You know, if he doesn't play well, let's say maybe you give him a right. You, you might have a bad match. That's fair. If he has two bad matches. I think it really snowballs. Well, we know the pairings for uh, the first matches today. Your thoughts on both of uh, both of the sides and, and what uh, the pairings have become? So the U.S. side, I didn't really see any surprises. I kind of expected, uh, if you were allowing me to bet pre-announcement on who the first pairing was in the first match, I would have said Tiger and JT. I think that's been in the works the entire time, the entire year. The surprise for me was what Els did, and I guess if you're a huge underdog and you have so many rookies, you do have to take some risks. Uh, there's kind of no way around it. So he put out Leishman and uh, Joaquin Neiman. Neiman being the guy I thought was a little bit of a risk. I thought kind of knowing that Tiger and JT were going to come out, uh, that they would have put Leishman and Louie together, something like that, some kind of big pairing to set it off with a... Uh, your best chance to win. Now, Neiman's a great ball striker. He's had a great six-month run, drives a great, really good iron player. He's a horrendous putter, and he's 
a really bad scrambler. Um, so that's what is a little concerning if you're an international fan. How about... Second, yeah, go ahead. match, Hadwin, Sungjae Im, Xander, Shawflay, Patrick Cantlay. This is a, a weird one to get my head around. I was not expecting the Im and Hadwin. And I kind of like it. It's safe. Uh, they're both very straight hitters. And they're both solid around the greens. Like, this to me is a safety pairing for the internationals. I think they're going to have a shot to win this match. Uh, obviously, Xander and Cantley have a... They're both quiet, so you don't really look at this as a star pairing. But there's some serious firepower in that pairing. Uh, I kind of have a sneaky feeling there might be an upset, though. Interesting. Uh, I was going to say that of all the teams, I think we expected Tiger and JT. Yeah. I like this Cantlay-Xander pairing. I think this is one of the stronger U.S. pairings you could put together. I, I do like them. Um, I watched the Hero last week, all of it, just to kind of get a feel for who was playing well. Neither Cantlay or Xander looked like they are on their game. Now, a lot of, you know, last week was basically a warm-up for everybody. So, I don't want to put too much stock into it. Here's my issue with that team. I love them individually. I love the kind of personalities together. Both of them are very inaccurate drivers of the ball. They both have good power, uh, but they're both inaccurate. That would be my concern with those two. How are the win players? Uh, both. Xander's actually really good. Cantlay is okay. Um, Im doesn't have enough data to, yeah. to know, and Hadlin's actually a not good win player, so you might have found something there. How about that third match? I'm very intrigued by how this U.S. pairing works. Yeah, I actually think this is, I was shocked to see Scott was on. I thought they would put uh, Aussie Aussie together here, uh, maybe like a Cam Smith. The female Bryson one is fascinating. I, he, those guys cannot be more different, I wouldn't think. Uh, both of them are uh, pretty religious, so maybe that's why they're together. But both can hit it far. Uh, both good ball strikers. Both horrendous putters, which they kind of got a break because Scott and On are both horrendous putters. Like, this is, you might see four balls on the green here and no birdies on every hole. <laughs> fascinating match. I would lean towards Scott Nahn just because both are, are better iron players. I think Scott is is key for the international this week. I don't think he, they can afford for him to get beat too many times. How about that fourth match? Uh, Matsuyama, Han, Reed, Webb. Great draw here for America, I think. I love this pairing. Uh, statistically, Webb is one of the best players in the world, almost in every category. He doesn't have the power. He, you're kind of building a, a modern golfer. He clearly doesn't have that. But he's very accurate with his driver. Uh, he hits it on a good trajectory, a nice low draw, which obviously will play well here. Uh, great scrambler, great putter, great wedge player. And then you pair him with Patrick Reed, who, again, hits a low draw uh, and a great scrambler putter. Obviously, he's going to have a ton to prove this week. So I love this pairing. And I, I think Ellis made a mistake with... Matsuyama here leaving on an island. Uh, Pan is a nice player, but he's short and he's a terrible putter. Uh, I would have liked 
to have seen Matsuyama paired with somebody uh, more like his game. Uh, I just think they kind of left him dead here. And that last match, Uste's an answer against Woodland and DJ. This is a fireworks match, I think. Uh, I think this is a huge match for the for, for the entire cup. Obviously, DJ and Woodland, they're good friends. They have very similar games. They'll be comfortable playing off of each other. You know, one of them is a good drive. The other one can just absolutely unleash where... They're both good three-wood players as well, so if one doesn't hit a good drive, I'm sure the other one will back off. I like that pairing. The X Factor is DJ. How's he going to be? Uh, we haven't seen him in three months. He said his knee is still only 90%. Does that become a factor? Interesting nugget on DJ, though. Uh, there's a database for strokes gained. It's fast greens. I don't really know exactly how they um, define that, but he is number one. The last 10 years, strokes came putting on fat screen, so something to watch there. Brooklyn's obviously in form. Uh, he played well last week. But I love this pairing for the internationals. Answer is a really accurate player, a decent putter, but he's kind of got that uh, Grand McDowell-type match play attitude, uh, just a little bulldog. And then Louie's one of the best match play players in the world. Uh, he plays well every year at the uh, WGC match play. I think he is going to be the best player for the internationals, uh, getting ahead here. But I, I think those two together, I think they're going to pull the upset here. Um, so going back, that first match, your prediction? Uh, I would go JT Tiger. I think JT is quietly... Uh, become the best American player in these cups. Uh, he's seven two and one. Uh, he's just he's going to make a ton of birdies, and I like the pairing with Tiger. Kind of Tiger can make a lot of pars. Now, obviously, when he's playing well, he's still one of the best in the world. But I like the um, Tiger. You go hit your staying three wood into the fairway and let JT go after it. Is minus one forty three too steep of a price? That second match. Do we have uh, a, um, just for the first match, do we have a Will Tiger hit the first fairway prop? Can <laughs> we find that? I did not see one. Because <laughs> we love the best match, <laughs> And I would like Bell again. Um, that second okay. match, Im Hadwin, Cantlay, Shawplay, your prediction. Uh, Im Hadwin, I plus 170. What's the underdog here? At plus 170. I think that's just, uh, yeah, I think, you know, I don't love Hadwin as a player kind of overall, but I think he's built more for this style, and I think Sung J.M. is a, he's going to be a star. Uh, if you can get 150 or higher for the Masters, go ahead and take a stab at it. I think he's going to be a star. I just think this is going to be the quiet group that surprises. The middle match there with On and Scott, Finau, Bryson, both teams plus 115. It, I guess I would lean On and Scott here. Uh, just more for the fact that I don't like Bryson than Finau. Um, I listened to Bryson a little bit earlier. Obviously, he's on the balking train. He looks huge. He says he's already used to it. He said he's been hitting the ball terribly for the last nine months. And on Saturday, he stumbled upon something that was going to change everything. 
Now, me and you have found that something a hundred times, I think, before. I'm not sure I believe him. <laughs> um, Pan Matsuyama in the fourth match, they are plus 163. Reed and Webb Simpson minus 120. I'll take that all day. They should be minus 160. Uh, I agree with you there. And then the last match, Ustazen answer. Uh, plus 140, Woodland DJ, minus 106. I like, uh, I like Answer and Louie here. I really do. Um, I'm with you on those last two. And I'm with you on Tiger and JT. I, yeah, those would be my favorite three, for sure. Yeah, the Finau Bryson, I have no idea what to expect. No, absolutely not. I think if you really need to bet that, I think maybe you take a shot with the tie at plus 550. <laughs> I think that's a great idea. Seriously. I mean, Finau was sort of the unsung hero that kept the Americans even in shouting distance in Paris. He was awesome over there. Uh, but it's just a weird pairing. Uh, that second match, I like the Cantlay-Xander pairing. I understand what you're saying, that we don't know how they're going to show up. So it's probably a stay away, but value-wise, that. I'm sorry. What were those odds again? Uh, Hadwin's team plus 170, Cantlay X minus 125. So value-wise. 125 for two guys that me and you think are top 12, 15 players in the world is not terrible value. Um, do you want to roll the dice with any of that there? Yeah, I mean, you gotta, they don't have to win one up, right? Correct. Yeah, I, I, it's just a sneaky feeling with him. I just like him, but you're getting such good value with the two U.S. guys. So, uh, Tiger, JT, minus 143. Cantlay, X, minus 125. Uh, Reed and Webb, minus 120, which... Is the hammer time special, I think. Yeah, I like that one a lot. And uh, Ustay's an answer at plus 140. <laughs> yeah, I like that one too. Uh, so there's the officials. Of these pairings, which one do you think we could look back on and, and, and say, wow, that team got really hot. It's a good thing they kept them together. any of them for the U.S., just because they're all such good players uh, overall, could be that kind of pop team. But I I kind of like the Webb and Patrick Reed one a lot. Webb, I, Webb is such a good player, I don't think people realize it. Yeah, I, I agree, and, and we'll get to that in one second. Uh, your prediction for the President's Cup, USA minus 275, international plus 250, a tie is plus fourteen hundred. So I, I really I think the bet is to play the internationals just because of those odds. Um, the U.S. kills them in all shot traditionally. Uh, that is essentially where all the margin of victory has come the last ten cups, basically. And I, I really believe that's because of the uh, internationals have you know, six different countries and languages, and it's just very hard, I think, to 
alt shot with somebody you're not familiar with, uh, and you don't even speak the same language. This year, I think it's a little different. They have a little more continuity uh, in that format. For me, I worry about the singles. I think I think they can keep it close in the team portion. I worry about the single matches specifically, so I think the USA edges them out. But I think it's close. I think it's 16 and a half, 15 and a half type of situation. Uh, six, but I would bet the internationals if I had to. 16-14 US is plus 900. 16 and a half, 13 and a half also plus 900. Yeah, I would bet 16 and a half, 15 and a half then both ways. I would bet it for the USA and the internationals at those prices. And uh, USA by two points or more, minus 250. Wow. Yeah, not a ton of value there. Wow. So they think the U.S. is just going to blow the doors off. I mean, if you go back and look at the road games for the USA in this, uh, obviously they've struggled in Europe, too, in the Ryder Cup. But in this event particularly, it's been very close. Um what is? I would take the opposite of that last thing you said. Whatever the odds are, that's not going to be more than two points. I, I like that. That it's going to be more than two points. I think it's going to not be. Like I don't think there's. I don't think the USA blows them out at all. Um. So US by one point minus three hundred five. Two points minus two fifty. Three points minus one seventy seven. Four points minus one twenty one. And then you have to get to five. To get to the pluses. Wow. Yeah, I think it's one or less or the internationals win. Uh, and it's all pluses on the international side by margins. What's on this and something? I just, I don't know. Just got a feeling. Uh, top points getter. We'll start with the international team. So, of the you, you have to eliminate the guys who aren't going to play five matches, I would think. I, I would think so, too, unless... Four, you can probably keep in with the guys that are going to play three. You can definitely eliminate. So I was Tiger. I think you can eliminate. On the international side, who are the guys you're looking at? I would think Matsuyama, Scott, Ustase, and Leishman probably play all sessions. Correct. Anybody else you think plays all five? I think there's a chance. Um, I think there's a chance Answer plays all five. I think he's pairing wise he is very versatile definitely not C.T. Pan obviously not Cam Smith if I think Sung Jai Im there's a chance he plays five as well so for top points getter on the international side of the six we just mentioned Matsuyama plus 350 Scott plus 400 Ustazen plus 500 Leishman plus 750 M plus nine hundred and answer plus sixteen hundred. And this so is I like I like Louis at five. Uh, man, I like Leishman at the seven fifty. I worry though he's gonna get the gauntlet match every time he's out. Yeah. But if you're looking at numbers, he's the best win player by a lot. Um, he just excels in the wind. But I worry he's going to get stacked against. Uh, you know, pick your poison there. Louis or Leishman would be my top end bet. And then answer would be my bottom one. I like Usti, I think, because it seems like he could play with anybody and be solid. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I mean, if you're looking at it real strategic. 
strategically too. He's got answer in a match that uh, we both like the first go around, and Leishman's getting screwed right off the bat. Uh, how about uh, as far as rookie goes? Is him your best at plus three thirty three? Your best guess for top point scorer from a rookie? Um, did Dancer play last cup? I didn't realize he played. He did not. He's plus six fifty. I, I think I like Answer. I think Answer's going to be tied to uh, Louie a lot. So that's you know that's kind of you're cheating a little bit, but you know he's getting the best partner. On the U.S. side, you, we've already eliminated Tiger. Who else do you think we can eliminate right from the get-go that's not going to play all five? You could Fowler's not and Kuchar's not. Yep. Uh, I would eliminate Bryson because I think he's hard to pair with. Would agree. Um, man, I'm not sure you can eliminate many more. I would think DJ's not playing in five because of his knee. Yeah, I, I don't think Woodland will win enough matches. I think you could probably say the same with Finau. I don't know if he's a good enough putter. Agreed, and he's going to be with Bryson at least once, which could be amazing or they're going to be, it's going to be over quick. So with that being said, if we eliminate DJ, we are left with JT, Cantlay, Xander, Patrick Reed, and Webb Simpson. Webb Simpson being plus 1,000 at the best. I mean, I, would, I think those odds are really good for him. I like him. And JT plus four hundred is not terrible. I like uh, man. I like all those guys a lot. Can't I think if you put the screws to me, it would be JT Reed and Webb. JT plus four hundred. Can't lay and Xander plus six hundred. Reed plus nine hundred. Webb plus a thousand. Yeah, Webb Reed and JT would be my plays. I would want a little more value with Cantlay and Xander. Uh, for the rookie U.S. top point scorer, Cantlay plus two twenty-five, Xander plus two fifty, DeChambeau plus three fifty, Finau four fifty, and Woodland five fifty. Boy, I actually might go with Woodland there just because. Yeah. The other value is not great. No, I would agree with that. I mean, Xander, Xander, I'd want a little more. I mean, the twos are just so low. Two more questions for you. Day one winner, U.S. minus 150, international plus 200, a tie plus 500. Um, well, we just laid out the matches. I think we like the U.S., so I, you know. Uh, I, I like the U.S. I don't know if those odds are good enough to love it, but I, that's where I would go. I think if it goes like we thought it would at 3-2, that's plus 300. I think there's value there, and I think there's value on three and a half, one and a half at plus six hundred. Yeah, I would agree. Um, what do you expect? Do you expect much different from the pairings going into day two, or is this a wait and see approach? I I really think since each day is separated now, you're not getting the two matches a day. I really think it's a wait and see approach. Um, especially with the internationals, there's so many unknowns. You know, so many rookies that I, 
you're going to get a sense for who's uh, a little bit timid for the moment. Uh, you know, like if CT Pan is five over in his match, he's probably not playing that second time. Whereas if he's one night out, they're going to go with the hot hand, you know? What does the score have to be after day two for the international to have a legitimate shot? Does it I have think to... they gotta keep it within two. Yeah, I was just for nice. mental reasons, you know, they've won one of these uh, in the last billion years. I think for just a mental, hey, we're still in it. It's gotta be within two. For the international to win, when we talk on our next podcast, who would have had to play the best aside from Yeru's Tazen, Scott's Leishman's? Being that they're the underdogs and the U.S. is expected to win, if the internationals were to win, what goes wrong for the U.S.? Uh, we've seen this before, right? To me, it's putting. And they do have a lot of question marks at, at putter. Now, I know the stats kind of say otherwise with guys like Cantlay, but if there is a weak link to his game, it's driving accuracy, which you, you know can't spray it around here too much, and it's a putter. DJ, the putter, Woodland, the putter, um, Tiger, we've seen the putter not always cooperate the last five years or so, right? Bryson, the putter, Finau, the putter. You know, the majority of Americans, the weak link is the putter. So, uh, you know, they don't make putts. That's how they lose. Anything else for the President's Cup? <sighs> Boy, um, Any- I don't think so. Any holes that are, you know, really worth watching, really interesting, any holes that could really turn matches? I'll give you a group of holes. The par threes are going to really pop off your screen. Almost all of them have the green that basically has the infinity edge into the bunkers. It looks incredible. And at least three of the par threes, there are basically one spot you can miss uh, short. And anything else is so fucked that you're going to see some crazy chipping and bunker shots, like playing it uh, 40 yards left of the pin, stuff like that. Um, do you like President's Cup being in prime time? <laughs> yeah, they had to do something, right? <laughs> sort of like the PGA Championship. They, they had to make a change. I think the prime time's going to work, especially this time of year where um, half more than half the NFL teams are out, and your favorite college team is either not playing or is not going to play for six weeks. So I think it's perfect time of the year. 
Well, speaking of the NFL, let's go there quickly. Yeah. Uh, three weeks left. Playoff pictures becoming a lot clearer. Um, your thoughts? Let's start with the AFC. Give me your top three teams as we sit here right now. For me, no, but I've been against them for a month and a half now. Like, at home, in the playoffs, I still think their defense can win games, so I would go Baltimore, New England, Kansas City, just because they're so good at home, and I'm not sure Houston, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Tennessee is going to Gillette in beating them. Uh, so, as of right now, Houston's the four seed, Buffalo the five seed, and Pittsburgh the six seed. Buffalo and Pittsburgh your wild cards. Tennessee, Houston, it seems like, I don't know that the other, the team who loses the division is going to be the wild card, but I'm looking right now at Pittsburgh's schedule. Who do you like more in Houston, Tennessee? Well, they play each other two of the next three weeks, so they will decide uh, with each other who is better. I'm... I have been anti-Titans all year, but they're the hot team. Uh, Houston's got the better player, right? Deshaun, D-Hop, they're the best two players that we're talking about. But as a complete team, I think I'm going with Tennessee. I do not like Houston's defense one bit. Bills, Jets, uh, Ravens for the Steelers, their last three. Texans' last three at Tennessee, at Tampa, Tennessee at home. And Tennessee's final three are uh, Houston, uh, Saints at home, and then at Texans to end the year. So they're probably going to have to beat the Texans. Yeah, for, for how hot the Titans have been, they may be on the outside looking in. As the three seed, if you're New England or Kansas City, whoever may get that three seed, who do you would you rather play, Pittsburgh or Tennessee? Um, probably Pittsburgh. Uh, you know we love Pittsburgh's defense, but Tennessee's defense not as good. I wouldn't say they're bad though, but their offense looks comp- more confident than Pittsburgh's. Tannehill's been great, and uh, Derrick Henry when it's under 40 degrees seems to be a different running back. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, shifting over to the NFC, your top three teams. Philly would be one off that big win. <laughs> uh, I would go... I think I would go San Francisco, Seattle... If New Orleans is home, New Orleans, but if they're not, I think Minnesota's better than New Orleans 
traditional field. I'm with you. I don't really that like. I'm not a huge fan of this New Orleans team. Their defense looks very suspect the last couple of weeks. I don't know if they're just bailing in or what, but I don't like that. And I really, really don't like that Alvin Kamara is their primary back. He's more of a wide receiver to me. Um, do the Rams have enough momentum to try and sneak in? They're currently 8-5. Vikings 9-4 holding that last spot, but they're also in the race with Green Bay. A game behind Green Bay's 10-3. Vikings' last three are at Chargers, Packers, and Bears at home. Rams have at Dallas. Uh, and my internet sucks right now. I, to answer your question, I actually think it all comes down to this week. If the Rams beat Dallas, I think it's a real possibility they get in. St. Louis, it's over. Um, they're also going to have to make a decision uh, for, because they're, we've said this before, they are a totally different team when they give the ball the girl they 20-ish times. The problem is they're going to have to make that choice. Do they make this run for the playoffs and run them into the ground, basically making them useless for the next two years or not? Uh, yeah, no, it's definitely an interesting dilemma. It seems like they've tried to get him more involved the past couple weeks, and the offense has looked a little bit better. Oh, their last three games, at Dallas, at San Fran, and Arizona at home. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's brutal. That's a tall playing for the one seed, too. Yes. That's brutal. Uh, is the, same, uh, is, uh, the one seed necessary for San Fran? Uh, have you seen enough of from Garoppolo that they can win the NFC? Yeah. He's not... Um, if you're asking me to rank him in the quarterback list, I'm not sure he's in the top... He's probably between like 12 and 16, somewhere like that. But, I, you know, when you have a running game like they do and you have a defense like that, you, that's all you need. Uh, well, let's get into the lines for this week. Obviously, we'll just give out some leans uh, until the full injury reports come out. Thursday night, Jets at Ravens. I already know where you're going. For many of these lines, this is the first we're seeing or talking about them. Uh, Baltimore opened 14. It's up to 14 and a half. Jets right now. 14 and a half is a lot of points. Yeah. Um, what do you make of Baltimore's defense? Much improved. Um, and I don't think you'll hear a lot of the TV heads. Oh, Marcus Peters, he's so good. I think it was more they got 
that healthy. Uh, they found some continuity at linebacker, which early in the year was a huge problem with the departure of C.J. Mosley, who had been there. Uh, kind of anchor for years. Um, I think they find some, found some stability. Judon rushing the passer has really come on. Um, I just think it's more of a collective unit thing than it is Marcus Peters. I'm glad you said that. Marcus Peters is an average cornerback in this league. It's not a coincidence that this is his third team. <laughs> right, right. And if you watched last week, he's the one who got literally beat for the only big play uh, against them. So, you know, take it for what you will. In a game that doesn't mean much other than uh, draft position, Tampa, Detroit, in Detroit, Tampa open four down to three and a half. I assume Winston's playing um, broken or a fracture in his hand or a finger or something. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen much. Uh, it doesn't appear Mike Evans will play for the rest of the year. Yeah, he's out. Bad hamstring injury from what I'm reading. Um, a tear in the hamstring. I see Jameis questionable, but says he's going to play. Uh, must be in his offhand then if he's doing that. I actually kind of lean the Lions here. Yeah, I'm with you. This uh. is one of those games where everyone jumps on the hot offense. Especially with Evans down, they, you know, Darius Slay, maybe the most underrated. Talk about an actual good corner is Darius Slay Jr. I think they put him on Godwin. Tampa can't run the ball, so I like Detroit. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I'm with you. Uh, I'm laughing because Philly Washington is Sunday as well. Game of the year. <laughs> Open six. Philly now minus four and a half. <laughs> uh, I will let you uh, proceed with your lead first here. I need to. I know it was the Giants, but uh, that's the best Wentz has looked that second half since his second year in the league. I've clamored for it all year that Peterson needed to go no huddle and let Wentz get into a rhythm, and he finally did. Uh, the injuries have just mounted. Uh, I know Washington's got a ton as well. I don't know what to expect, but I am back on the wagon just because this is a scrappy, ratty, injured, riddled team now. Uh, yeah, you said it. Uh, Washington's been banged up all year, too. Uh, I... Hate the franchise, the owner, and the team, but I kind of found myself watching their games the last couple of weeks just because they're playing hard. I love the Eagles here. I know the line is going the wrong way, but the Eagles defense just could not be a better matchup for them. Geis is out. It's Adrian Peterson. They let Adrian Peterson beat them last year for a run. The Eagles, all, the Eagles defense always, always plays well against Washington. Haskins is so limited, it plays right into the Eagles' hands. I think they're going to absolutely murder him. I don't care if the Eagles' offense doesn't score. I think the Eagles' defense scores enough to cover the spread. McLaren could have a nice day, though. He's awesome. He is. That was a great find. Good on him. It was Brutus or Danny. They found a guy. He's he's really good. But it won't matter because Haskins can't throw within a five-yard window of anybody. And look, AP is Another decent year, somehow, some way. I don't know how he does it, but they are so one-dimensional. Uh, the Eagles will beat them by at least, I'm going to say at least 14. Is Kerrigan going to play? He's, I think he's not going to play. He's questionable, though. So That would be huge for the Eagles. I don't expect Lane Johnson to play. 
Uh, he always does play well against Philly, so that would be a huge, a huge positive for the Eagles. Yeah. Uh, a revitalized Mick, Mitch Trubisky goes to Green Bay. Packers open seven. They're down to four and a half. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, uh, now the game was, you know, the Packers were up 10 basically the whole game, but they suck. Aaron Rodgers was absolutely atrocious against Washington. Now Washington does have a couple decent pieces on the back end. Uh, Dunbar's the number one ready corner in the NFL, but still, Rodgers looked terrible, so <laughs> I, uh, I might lean the bitch Trubiskaholics here. I'm with you again. Uh, New England at Cincinnati. What do you make of what's <laughs> happening with New England? I I don't know. I think the, there's one question I'd want to ask is like so there that program is real. I've seen commercials or leads for that program that they're making for like a year. But was it just last week or they do that every week? If it's every week, then there's something going on. If it was just last week, then I don't really care. I know it's New England, um, but this would seem to me, maybe they're not filming from a press box, but this would seem like normal behavior yeah. from a team. I just You're telling me that teams don't have guys in the stands looking at signals? Yeah, I just don't understand how New England continues to get caught. Now, I know everybody's got the alert out for them, but right. it doesn't make sense to me. So maybe this isn't normal behavior. I don't know. Like, who's giving signals by hand? <laughs> like, what is it? There's a fucking microphone in your helmet. That's how you're calling plays, no? Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, it's, it's, if this was the Lions, this is very Patrick Reed story-ish to me. Uh, it could be something, but I am leaning towards who cares right now. And they suck, so their offense can't score, so what good to do it? That's, I mean, their offensive struggles are real. I don't think it's just Brady. I, I, I think they have issues everywhere on offense. They needed, they needed, you know, I, I hear people talk about how close they were to beating Kansas City, but they needed a trick play. They needed a fake, a block punt. Now, I know they got screwed with uh, two calls, but they've needed a trickery to beat Philly. They needed a monsoon to beat Dallas. They got blown out by Baltimore, blown out by uh, Houston. Yep. Uh, so they opened ten and a half. They're down to nine and a half. What percentage of blame would you put on Brady for the offensive issues? Fifteen percent. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm not saying the guy can still fling all over the field. His receivers suck, and. It's not just like, oh, they lost Antonio and Gronk. The Gronk thing is real. Like, that's his security Huge. blanket. He's the best tight end that ever played. Like, that we're, you can't make a big enough deal out of that. But to me, it's more that schematically, if you double Edelman, now what? Like, yep. throwing it to Philip Dorsett, who has never been good. So, And the offensive line's not good. And I think we see that with their running numbers. They can't run the ball at all. That's their biggest problem, I think, is the offensive line for the run. If they could do that, they probably could skirt by with the receivers, but they can't run the ball. Right. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we saw it last year where their line got going this time of year, 
Michelle, I think he had 130 yards in that playoff game. They committed to it, and they were good at it, and they are, it's just awful this year. Probably the big one of the day, Houston at Tennessee. Tennessee opened one and a half. It's jumped to three. I like Tennessee. It's probably going to be popular. Um, I just think they're on a roll right now, and I really think Tannehill can do some things against Houston's defense. Yeah, I wish uh, Houston would have won last week. That's the only thing that worries me in a bounce back. <laughs> yeah, annihilated by Denver. Right. I think this is Seattle or nothing. Yep. Denver at Kansas City. Kansas City open 13. They're down to nine and a half. Um, Mahomes does not look healthy. No. So I hate that Denver won last week, though. So I would typically be all over Denver here. I still might be just because of that Mahomes situation. Drew Locke has looked okay. He has looked good. And he at least has somewhat of a running game. Kansas City cannot run the ball. No. Spencer Ware, I don't know. I thought he died in the tsunami. He's back. <laughs> and he brought him back, so I guess we're rolling with him for a little while. Yeah, I mean, Den- nine and a half seems like a lot for a division game in which Denver's record is probably worse than they really the team really is. They've I, lost a ton of close games. I don't remember the exact but basically, if you're looking at it statistically over the last 40 years, uh, they should be more like 8-5 and five than their record. Yeah. Miami at the Giants. Giants minus 3.5. <laughs> um, Eli's playing again. If it gets to 3, I might like the Giants. Uh, I will say, on Miami. Flores has done a really good job. They play hard. I mean, if it's not Tomlin, Flores should be in the running for coach of the year. Yeah. Like that roster, they tried to be bad, and he still has some fighting. Yeah. Um, Buffalo-Pittsburgh, this has been flexed to the night game. Pittsburgh opened one. They're minus two now. Yeah, you could see Buffalo susceptible against the run. Um, and Pittsburgh should probably, that will be their game plan to try and smash it. And yeah. last week, when Buffalo needed a play, they have nobody to throw the ball to. They don't. They, like, I can't, it's hard to make a judgment on Allen because they don't have a good tight end and the receivers are all slow or small. I do think Singletary could be good. Um, I would expect to see a ton of him in this game, but obviously Pittsburgh knows that. I would love to see an absolute Josh Allen running game. Like, roll him out ten times and let him run. You brought it up, though, after the start last week as to who the offensive coordinator in Buffalo is, and that's a major issue. (laughs) Yes. Our boy, uh, we've complained about him for what seems like 20 years now. Around the world, and his offenses are never good, so I don't really get it. Um, 
Yeah, I, I lean Pittsburgh here uh, early. Uh, this is a curious one where this line goes, though, and obviously we need to see Tutu, uh, James Conner, etc. We have the Steelers over 9.5 for the year, and two months ago it seemed like we were dead in the water. Now we're 8-5. Eight, eight and five. Yeah, real possibility. Jacksonville at Oakland. Oakland opened 4.5. They're up to 6.5. Doug Marone. Doug Marone. Totally quit on Doug Marone. Clearly Doug Marone is out the door. Uh, now they got to travel all the way to the West Coast and, and right before Christmas. The Raiders are probably the play here, but they suck too, so tough game to bet on. Interesting fact, Jacksonville is number one right now in uh, over the cap for next year. They have <laughs> 210 mil committed for next year, so... I think you're going to see an absolute wholesale change in Jacksonville. Uh, Cleveland at Arizona. Cleveland's open two and a half. It's remained two and a half. Boy, really? I don't think Cleveland's good. So uh, I know Arizona's been bad lately. Kyler kind of looks like he hit the rookie wall, but he has played some good defenses. So uh, I'm going to, I like Arizona here. Got to see where this line goes. I think I agree with you, though. Uh, Atlanta at San Fran. San Fran open 11 and a half. They're down to 11. Man, I kind of like Atlanta. I know that's really scary. Does what seem like a, with them? Does seem like a lot of points. Coming, I mean, they can at least score sometimes. Uh, just, I think it's more coming off of at Baltimore, at New Orleans. San Francisco's got to be exhausted. Uh, Rams at Dallas, which we talked about a little bit earlier. Dallas opened minus three. It is now Rams minus one. <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, I was hoping that just wasn't like this because I'm tempted to take Dallas. Ah, yeah, I am too. <laughs> I wish it wasn't like this, but God damn it, I think I like Dallas. The issue that I have is every time we're in this situation where Dallas seems like they're down and out, we say, go back to giving the ball to Zeke 40 times a game. But Zeke doesn't look like Zeke. Minnesota Chargers rounding out the Sunday games. Uh, Minnesota open three. They're two and a half now. <laughs> I kind of like the Chargers. I knew you were going to say because that's how I feel too. It just seems like that game. 85% off this. <laughs> oh my God. Mine is tiny, teeny, tiny. <laughs> oh God. That, we're going to get broke into that one. 
Yeah, I know. It's going to feel real comfortable on Sunday at 4 o'clock backing Anthony Lynn. <laughs> and, I'm going to be so drunk I won't even notice. <laughs> Anthony Lynn and Philip Rivers, who's done. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Monday night Indianapolis at New Orleans New Orleans minus 9 oh man disappointed with the Colts I guess injuries are just taking their toll you, you were kind of on it before I was it does seem like the Saints lose this type of game though uh, I I the problem is, is New Orleans could put 14 up early and then Indianapolis is done. But if it's close, Indianapolis' offensive line should control the line of scrimmage and they should be able to run the ball. Yeah, Marlon Mack back. Um, is there any chance T.Y. plays? Like, if he plays, I, I might get back on the Indy way. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I haven't seen any update on him. It's just so, I mean, it's just like the Eagles, right? You take away your only receiving threat. Defense is Literally don't have to even look outside. Yeah. Um, T.Y. Hill in still week to week. Yeah, it said three weeks. I think this is week three or four, so I, he's got to be close. Yeah. Yeah, I would think so. And they're not officially out yet, so I guess he can't just rest. Yeah. Um, so... You got our leans. We'll give out our officials Saturday and Sunday. Uh, and quickly, I went back and listened to our college football preview podcast. <laughs> a couple notes that stuck out. Uh, we went 59 and 50 on the year in college, which is 54%. And that includes going 1 and 10 in week one. I <laughs> love <laughs> Uh, so the ACC was probably where we got right the most, but fairly easy one to get right. Clemson, we said we'd go 12-0. We did predict that if Florida State did not get off to a good start, they would fire Ta- Taggart. We had Wake Forest and NC State pegged exactly. <laughs> Extremely wrong on Louisville. We had them at around two or three wins. Uh, I believe they might have got to five or six, but we yeah. talked about them being one of the worst teams in the country. Yeah. That's not true. Uh, the call of the conference, though, when we discussed Georgia Tech, you said Citadel would be a live dog. Citadel beat the Georgia Tech Ramblin' Wreck. <laughs> And the other thing, uh, we were wrong on Pitt, but I did say they would beat UCF. Yeah, yep. And I that. we were wrong that Duke would be a live dog late. They would, did oh, not they ever. Early, I think, and then yeah. They, I don't know what happened. And we were right that Virginia, Virginia Tech, uh, yeah. they were the two picks on that side. I like that we did the best in the sloppiest conference. <laughs> The Big Ten, we were probably the most wrong in. <laughs> we went, we went pure Michigan. You had Michigan oh, yeah. winning the conference. I was worse and had Sparty. Uh, we both had Ohio State nine and ten wins. Um, we did have row the boat upsetting Penn State. Yeah. We were right on Nebraska. I did pick Wisconsin to win the West. 
Uh, we were right on Purdue being bad, and you predicted Illinois was building. And neither one of us believed in fields, which I still don't. It's horseshit that he got a Heisman. I agree. Uh, Big 12, we were pretty good on. Obviously, we both had Oklahoma. We had Texas 9-3 and being their ceiling. Um, we did have Iowa State in the Big 12 title against Oklahoma. I was extremely wrong. I said a good spot would be UL Monroe going to Iowa State after the Iowa game, and I believe they had Oklahoma on deck or, or Tech. A Big 12 big game on deck. They beat uh, UL Monroe 72 to 20. Well, 20 doesn't leave something. Uh, Baylor, we had trending. They won, yeah. uh, I believe they win 10 games or 11 games. Uh, we were wrong. We said West Virginia would be awful. They did somehow get to five wins. They still suck. We're not wrong about that. You talked about Kansas winning four wins, four, getting four games. They got three. I remember trying to beg you into an overplay there. I do remember that. Uh, Pac-12, we both had Oregon and Utah winning uh, their sides of the conference. You did not predict Peterson would step down, but you did say that he was in no man's land at Washington. Yeah, I, I'm still shocked that he's just quitting coaching. Uh, you gave out a live dog with the Beavers against Stanford. They did. Uh, they hung around. They lost 31-28. We were wrong. We were wrong on Stanford. We thought Shock could get them to 7-5. and five. They went 4-8. and eight. <laughs> Somewhat wrong on the Beavers. We said one or two wins would be an accomplishment. They went five and seven. I had a five more wrong there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we both said Oregon-Auburn was an enormous game for the Pac-12. And it may have proved to be the difference maker in the playoff. I mean, if they win that game, they're in, right? Or play anybody else. <laughs> uh, probably the most wrong just because we both predicted Georgia to win the national yeah. title yeah. Uh, we were down on Dan Mullen who I think ended up doing a pretty good job with the backup quarterback probably the better of the two I still don't know what Florida is after 12 games I still don't yeah um, wrong on Bama we both didn't think they would go undefeated but we couldn't find a loss we said we said you couldn't trust Ed Orgeron, and the schedule was <laughs> the schedule was too, too tough. Um, but we both did really like Burroughs. Yeah, Georgia, Georgia, not a good call. Not, that's my bad. I talked to him about that. No, I, I really like Georgia too. Um, Didn't realize that Trump was Alex Smith 2.0. Yeah. Um, you know, there were some other things we disagreed on, but for the most part, I, I highlighted the things that we agreed on. And, you know, going 59 and 59 and 2 with your over unders, I think we had it pegged pretty good other than the playoff. I would agree. Uh, if we could just get off to a better start, um, you know, it'd be really good, but I'm not sure we can nitpick too much there. No, I think uh, week one, 
<laughs> three games, five games max. Obviously, a little overzealous with football starting. <laughs> yeah, I would say that. And then uh, we went four and six uh, last week with our picks. Two and three in the conference championships. I think conference championships are tough. I agree. You're almost like forced into action, but yeah. that's one where I, I would agree we limit next year. And maybe week one we just take the Scally Majica style. Anyone over 40 <laughs> favorite, that's who we bet on. Um, early lines on the playoff games. Um, quick thoughts on those. Um, and then any bowl, any bowl games you're looking forward to other than the playoffs while I get these odds up? Yeah, I would agree. There are some interesting matchups. Uh, obviously, we'll have to keep an eye on who's sitting out and who's going to play. Yeah, that's huge. Uh, lines for the playoff. Oklahoma LSU, the early game at 4 o'clock that day. It opened 11. It's now 13. Yeah, I could see a, a backdoor happening here. Yeah. Um, obviously, they did the same last year, but I'm not sure Jalen is as explosive as Kyler uh, by any means. So, I don't know. LSU is probably a teaser candidate. They probably don't have enough other weapons, but it, I'll, I'll be interested to watch C.D. Lamb against some of those corners. And I think uh, <laughs> this one goes without saying, but Clemson opened minus one. They're up to minus two against Ohio State. <laughs> All I needed to know uh, was that Clemson was favored, and it immediately told me that that's the right side. I uh, this is yeah, I love Clemson. Love, love. Anything at all worry you? Ohio State's defense being better, but are you sure they're better? 
Uh, I'm with you. I, I, I think Chase Young, I know teams have game planned for him and they've played some better competition towards the end of the year, but yeah. he has not been the Chase Young that was talked about midseason. Obviously, he had a really good game against Penn State. Uh, I thought Penn State's game plan for him was uh, that of a third grader. But I'd be interested to see Chase Young's stats. If you went game log by game log, how many stats did he rack up in shitty games? Yeah. Uh, I, I totally agree. I fully expect Dabo to have a game plan for him. And I, I think Travis Etienne is going to be the star of this game. You brought him up last week. I think he's going to be the one to break out here as a kind of a national name. I have to admit, I had not watched a ton of Clemson games. It's been in and out. I watched a lot of it Saturday. Their wide receivers are enormous. <laughs> yes. They have, they have some kids on the team. I, uh, I can't remember this number. I think he's number five or six. That also enormous on the defensive end. Their defensive line is not the same, but I think we're underestimating how athletic they are. Well, I think the other thing is you go through Ohio State's schedule. Who have they played that's two-dimensional offensively? <laughs> I mean, Clemson hasn't played anyone. That's a given. But I've seen Clemson with almost the same group. Yeah. A lot better teams than Ohio State beat. The other thing is, is um, you know, Ryan Day might be a good coach. He might be a great coach someday. But I think that's a coaching mismatch. I totally agree. Now, I think a lot of people would push back and say Dabo just is a great recruiter. But if you go back to the last three years in the playoff games, his teams have looked so much more prepared than specifically Saban's. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I think Dabo is night and day the best coach going. Yeah, I agree. Uh, do you think this line jumps over three? is on well obviously pounding LSU uh, 61% on Clemson I mean I think college NFL and college percentages I worry more in college when it gets above that 80 yeah yeah Um, what's LSU at do you know 77 (laughs) I mean that's close yeah that's close I think if that gets to 14 that's uh, Oklahoma play Well, I mean, Clemson's going to be an official. If the line's 10, I'm still going to like it. <laughs> well, there you go, folks. Go lock it in now before it gets to three. Um, fantastic job by you today. Follow the Twitter. We'll be tweeting out picks for the President's Cup. Yes. Uh, I believe the record was 11-2 in the Ryder Cup last year, so I highly recommend following along. The four officials given out today. Uh, looking forward to it. Uh, I can't wait. Hopefully everyone gives it a watch. Give 
sneaky NBA play tomorrow. Uh, tonight. Oh, tonight as well, too. Yeah, maybe tonight as well. We'll see. Could be two of them, which uh, signals a transition of season. Uh, I'll talk to you soon.